Hi, I'm Dana, a former TV presenter and radio host. But to Luca and Darcy, I'm known as... Mom! Maybe one day they'll realise I used to be cool. Being a mum has been my greatest joy and biggest headache. It's taken me to playgroups and parent gatherings, mainly for cake and coffee, but also to meet parents and swap stories, which reminded me I'm not alone and the things we face are normal. And that's what this podcast, Parents We've Met, is all about. Playfulness, fortunately for me, does come naturally. Sometimes it has the opposite effect and you can scare a kid quite easily. if you're a bit too overzealous. I don't think we're meant to do this parent gig alone and I knew I needed a bit of a coach to help me along the way. And that's where Jenny comes in. You've got this, Dana. Yes, we've got this, Jenny. We've got it. (laughs) I read Jenny's book, KFC, which at first I thought was going to be a mean recipe, but instead I found what I was really needing. I needed to know how to be kind, firm and calm. Yes, another servant of that. Thanks, Jenny. Every parent has their own story and their own struggles. So join us as we chat through the magic and mess of this parenting gig. Ka pai, Jenny. Welcome to Parents We've Met. This week we got to hang out with a top bloke and a legend of a dad, Sean Brown. Now, I know Sean from my community of Mangere Bridge and is the guy that has put back together my home after floods and burst pipes. But you may recognise him as the fix-it, make-it-better, builder extraordinaire from the TV show Sort Your Life Out NZ. Now, Sean is someone who inspires me as a parent to find the fun and the boring and to be a playful parent. Here's someone too that I've observed to be super encouraging and intently present, whether he's showering praise on a kid for their artwork or listening to one of their stories for the 10th time. So I hope this chat will inspire you too to find more fun and less stress in your parenting. So welcome, Sean. Thank you. Nice to be here. (laughs) I've talked you up a little bit, haven't I? Oh, big time. Blushing. (laughs) I don't do that often. I think we can be hard on ourselves as parents, but would you consider yourself a great dad? Uh, yeah, I think I, I do. I obviously have to remind myself of that at times. It's hard to be a great parent all the time, but in general, I'm happy with the, the effort I put in and yeah, and the love I get back from my kids, which I think is the best indicator. So yeah, I would say I'm a great dad. Nice. We are hard on ourselves, so it's lovely actually to reflect and hear a parent back themselves a little bit more. So, Sean, tell us about your family. We'd love to know who's in it, um, ages and stages. Well, I come from a family of girls. I'm a, I'm a girl <laughs> dad, and I married a girl. So I've got my wife, Carrie, awesome, awesome partner and a great mother. I've got a seven-year-old daughter, Frankie, a four-year-old daughter, Miller, who's about to start school mm-hmm. soon and very excited, and the baby of the family at one and a half years mm-hmm. old. Frida. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, on a few occasions, I've seen you and your daughter Miller get out of the car at kindy and she takes off running and then you get out of the car and you go, wait your bag, wait your bag. And I've seen this on a few occasions. So now I realise it's a bit of a game between the two of you. Do these, you know, this fun and playfulness, does this just come to you naturally or is it something that you are having to work on? Well, that particular game, it has become a game. I don't know where that really came from. Um, I like Miller carrying her own bag, so I don't have to. Um, and one day she decided she didn't want to, so she just she just took off. And so I was chasing her, and it became hilarious. And I just love how that, and it, you've seen it a few times, but it's every single time in reality. As soon as she gets out of the car, she's gone, and she knows I'm coming after her with this bag. And, <laughs> 
it's such a simple thing, but it brings her so much joy and it's become a yeah, neat little part of our morning drop-offs. And I'm sure sometimes you're running late, you've got places to be, things to do, but it's keeping that consistency, I suppose, because you know it brings so much joy to her. Yeah, and it also helps because we get there quicker. I'm actually chasing her through the gate and into kindy, but it's a fun way to start the day. Playfulness, yeah, and an answer to your question, playfulness, fortunately for me, does come naturally. I've always been quite a playful person, particularly around children. I I just get a real buzz out of seeing joy on their faces and I find that it's quite easy to bring to the surface. Not always, sometimes it has the opposite effect and you can scare a kid quite easily (laughs) (laughs) if you're a bit too overzealous or playful. But yeah, I see any opportunity to, to put a smile on a kid's face as one worth taking. We love talking about playfulness because it seems to be the thing that often um, circuit breaks some of the tension. So, you know, that little ritual for, for the drop-off at kindy is awesome because you are kind of getting past some of those hard steps, which is often when a child doesn't want to separate from you. But because it's a game and it's played regularly, it almost sort of cuts right through some of that stuff. Sean, we'd love to know about more of your parenting, but first of all, we'd really be interested in how you grew up. What was family life like for you? I grew up in a little country village, Glenbrook, just outside of Waiuke, on a lifestyle block. I'm one of six children. We had a little sheep farm. It was only it was about six acres, but it had a pond with a little forest around it and some and some bush. And so, my up upbringing was picking which sibling I was best friends with that day and go on an adventure spending yeah most of our time outside exploring and and playing it was yeah Mm. really neat way to grow up. How would you describe your parents parenting style? When I reflect back I only have positive memories my dad like me he had a building company it was a bit bigger but he was a bit busier but I don't know where he found the time to to really do some special stuff for us kids. He was he was the guy that would, on Christmas Eve, drive his truck around the neighbourhood with a bunch of kids on the back, picking up kids, just going around singing Christmas carols. Um, and that, that sort of thing, yeah, Dad always found time mm-hmm. to make those special moments for us. And Mum is just an amazingly loving mm-hmm. um, and caring person, always has been. I don't, I don't really remember too much about their style, but my relationship with them now is incredible mm. and they're the kind of parents I would like to be, for sure. Sounds beautiful and warm and connected. You mentioned that your dad was a builder, so you would have grown up seeing him on the tools and making so many different things. What was it about watching him and about that job that you know made you follow in his footsteps? I guess I always thought my dad was awesome. So wanting to be around him was the real draw card to showing an interest in in working with tools and on buildings. And and naturally, I like even when I was going to university, I'd come back in my holidays and work with Dad on weekends when I could. I enjoyed the work, but I enjoyed spending time and learning off him as well. It wasn't building as such. I wasn't dead set on that's what I'm going to do. I actually explored other options first before coming back to it and thinking... I think this is the right the right thing for me. How did you go from building and being with the tools to being in front of a camera? There's a few random things that 
came together to to make that happen. I think a key one is a a good friend of ours who was a a, a father of one of Frankie's new best friends at school. He was from the film and television industry and heard about this role for the TV show and, and suggested that I put my name forward for it, which I did, not thinking anything would necessarily come from it, but it did, and yeah, it went snowballed from there. And that's not your first time on TV either because you've been on Jono and Ben's show, you've done sort of commercials. I mean, what, what was the first thing that kind of sparked your interest? I've always had an interest in TV. Um, back in high school, public speaking was a big thing for me. That was a real passion of mine and also plays and production. So there's always been part of that in me. I'm trying to imagine you now doing plays and stuff and a bit of Shakespeare on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> a whole other side. I remember seeing before I even met you, there was a campaign and um, you guys had played a bit of a prank on your brother, hadn't you? That was a, a prank that, again, it was something that kind of fell onto my lap. It was a friend that I went to uni with and was working for the advertising company that, that won the contract for this advert. And they needed a, a builder, put my name forward for it, and it just it blew up massively. It went viral, and it was a crazy ride. And that that I get a real energy out of anything that creates a bit of a stir or um, gets people excited, and I'm drawn to those situations. Yeah. So they plumbed the whole of his brother's house with something that you may drink watching the rugby or sports or something, I'll just say that. So when they turned on the tap or the washing machine, um, a particular drink flooded into the house. So it was the most amazing prank, very elaborate. There was a lot of dad jokes in the show. I'm wondering, were most of those scripted or did they just naturally flow for you? You were just like, I got this, I know what to say. Well, that show wasn't scripted at all. Um, (laughs) Dad jokes. That's a good one. Dads, dads are awesome. I think, and I think that's actually something that is underappreciated. Well, not under. That's not the right word because everyone appreciates dad jokes, obviously, but maybe undervalued. Just the the level of intelligence that you need to come up with that kind of humour, and they seem to be able to do it regularly. Tell if you're being serious or not. <laughs> no, you're, you think about it, you, get, you try and come up with a dad joke on the spot in the heat of the moment. It's not easy to do, and yet dads are doing it all around the world all the time. <laughs> yeah, you've got to up our appreciation. Um, Sean, what did you notice or learn from families when you were working with them? You would have got some real insights when you did sort your life out. I, I found that side of things quite confronting, Really, I was exposed to different ways of living and family interactions, which mm. I hadn't been before. The show was focusing on families with just too much clutter. And I think it's important to have in a home a space at least where a family can congregate and hang out mm. together. And most of these homes didn't have that at all. And it seemed to have the op- opposite effect. It drives them apart because mm. everyone wants to go to their own little safe place and do their own activity. There almost seems to be a real disconnect, mm. not only between husband and wife, but parent and child. Not all situations, mm. but often 
it seemed to be a bit of a theme, yeah. It's easy to foster that um, sort of individualistic approach, often by the way our, our houses are structured or our rooms are. And um, I, yeah, I love the way that we can invite parents to get closer to their kids simply because you've got an area that's communal or you've got the same thing that you're all focused on, which could be the family dinner, for instance, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I think um, obviously not all houses have have a space where a dining table will fit, but I think the dining table, for me personally, is quite symbolic of a family mm. getting together for a meal and often... In the houses that we were working in, there was either no dining table or you just couldn't see it because it becomes just a giant shelf and there's nowhere to actually sit around, mm. which I feel is a real shame. Mm. Mm. I love the idea in the show that they empty the whole house and then they take everything to a warehouse and then so it's all in front of you and you can see exactly how many vases you have or sweaters. I just wanted to do that myself. But did you find that the parents or the children struggled the most to let things go? It was different with with each family, but it seemed to be the the parents or the adults that um, we really battled with mm. convincing that they didn't need things. And some kids could be like that as well. No way, I can't get rid of any of these. But more often than not, the children were like, once they heard what you were saying and they understood what was the process and what was happening, they were helping parents, mm. telling them, we don't need this, you don't need that, you don't need it for me, and helping them clear out. Mm. In terms of the family home, and we've talked about the dining table, but are there other rooms or places that can be changed that make a significant difference in a family? The, the living room is a big one, the lounge. We're pretty lucky we've got a lounge with a little playroom attached to the side of it so the kids can make all their mess and and carry on. We can close the door on that and then the lounge is, in theory, undisturbed, but it never ends up that way. (laughs) Um, But we have put our TV in the playroom so it's not visible in our main living area. Um, As a way for that to not become a, a focal point, or a reason to go into the lounge. The lounge is a family room Mm. for interacting as a family, and then when it's a special occasion, we're gonna go and watch a movie, we can do that, but the two aren't crossed over, which works really well for us. Um, Mm. It's not gonna work for for everyone, but we, yeah, I found that was a, um, a, quite an important thing for our family. So being on the tools, one of your main things was trying to create more storage for toys. And I feel like as parents, I'm constantly going around trying to figure out my storage solutions. Have you got any tips from things that you've learned through the show other than just cull, cull, cull and keep culling? Yeah, well, we all know it, right? When you try and cull toys with kids, it's so hard because all of a sudden that becomes their favourite mm. toy and they reconnect <laughs> with it because they dealt with the reality of maybe having to part with it. A brilliant thing that I learned from Natalie is cycling those toys. So you have, there might be six different groups of toys and you only have three of them out mm. at any given time. And then you you switch a box, chuck another one up in the mm. attic, bring down the new ones and it just brings to life those toys again and then they're not getting bored with them or they're sitting there not being used taking up space Mm. in their bedroom or in the playroom for an unnecessary amount of time yeah and you don't need as many toys either you're not Mm. having to constantly buy new ones or or keep 
you know keep introducing new and exciting things it's just bringing back mm. old toys and helping them reconnect with those and that's that's just as exciting in a lot of cases mm. yeah in my work I've found that um, rotating the toys as you've just mentioned actually helps children play differently and better with often using more imagination because they haven't got so many things so if they didn't have a blanket on hand they actually can find a tea towel or they can use something else but simplifying it changes the way children play and it's it gets more uh, resourceful for them and so they're thinking a little bit harder yeah I couldn't agree more going back to your home what have you learned about Kerry parenting alongside her oh Kerry just continues to blow me away um Kerry's just taken on a promotion at work and so she's just stepped up her hours Mm -hmm. which means I've pulled mine back a little bit and it's just another eye-opener for me of just how much she does around the home there's so many things that happen in a household and need to happen in a household that just happen without you realizing often it's nice to have the opportunity now to just see and appreciate how much Carrie does for our home and for our family but the amount of things she juggles is is incredible yeah she Mm. she um she's amazing my husband jokes sometimes like you put the washing in that basket and it just appears clean in your drawers it's amazing I'm like yeah yeah buddy (laughs) the magic basket (laughs) what about for yourself because I mean having kids it's taught me so much and it's almost made me go back and have to deal and heal from things you know from years ago like they're just these amazing teachers children what have you learned about yourself through your daughters I think I'm constantly learning. Children's minds are just beautiful, aren't they? And the words that they come up with to describe me just force me to reflect on myself in a way that I hadn't before. And um, yeah, they're incredibly honest. It's not always an easy thing to... (laughs) to, It can be brutal. (laughs) Yeah, they can be. It might not be easy to hear, but it's always good to hear because you need to understand why they feel that way about you in that moment. I guess that's how we can work on those things to try and change them if if we feel it's necessary. Um, But yeah, parenting is the biggest learning curve I've ever had and it's just ongoing, which I don't think that's a bad thing. It's exciting and I enjoy that. And Sean, particularly in raising daughters, what's that taught you? Um, Anything surprised you along the way with raising girls? I think it's helped me to understand that emotion is very real and you've got to take it seriously. Even when you think um, something's not that big of a deal, um, if I take that stance, it doesn't always help the situation so bringing up daughters has taught me to really understand the seriousness of their feelings Mm. and emotions and how important that is for me to understand in order to help them through it again I might come home and have not had a great day at work and I just do not want to hear about somebody else's problem at school with some some other kid that wasn't nice today but they're usually best friends but if I give that the cold shoulder, it certainly sends the wrong message to my daughter and it doesn't help 
the issue get resolved. So finding a way to put my own feelings aside and actually listen to my girls when they have something they need to talk about is key. It's very important because I want to be like my parents are now. I I can talk to them about anything and I want to be that that dad for my daughters for sure. Being listened to is so powerful. I don't think children can distinguish between being heard and being loved. It kind of is the same. Yeah, absolutely. What excites you about the world that your girls are growing up in? I love, I guess, the the ongoing push for equality and fairness of opportunities. There really is a sense of um, girls can do anything they want to, which wasn't always the case, and I love that. That's a ever-evolving landscape, and not only uh, there are more opportunities, more and more opportunities for girls every day it's it's really pushed as well i think that's a great thing and i'm i'm excited to see yeah i'm excited to see that develop and see what that presents for my own girls while you're sitting here with a parent coach obviously i'm talking about jenny um she's been a parent coach for over 20 years and um cal and i have gone to jenny with some of our questions so i'm putting it to you sean is there anything that's keeping you up at night that you're thinking on when it comes to parenting that you might want to put to Jenny today? I guess to go back to what I was saying before about when I'm not having the best day myself, I feel a an overwhelming feeling of almost regret if I don't conduct myself in a way that I'm proud of in front of my family. How do you deal with that? that battle when you're you're not feeling great but you don't want them to pick up like I want my Mm. kids to see me happy Mm. I want them to see me have time for them and prioritizing them and some days I I come home and I just I don't have the energy and I don't have the drive to be enthusiastic or upbeat and and then I reflect on that at the end of the night and I'm like I was just such a boring dad tonight. Um, how do you deal with that other than pushing through it and trying <laughs> to be more fun, which would be ideal, but sometimes you just, you can't. Yeah, it's pretty real, this parenting stuff. And we don't come with um, on all cylinders firing. So I think that it's okay to pause yourself. Sometimes we think we have to respond immediately. As parents, and we've got to know the answer and we've got to throw ourselves in. And I think what your children really need is a little bit of scaffolding. And so sometimes it might look like, hey, this sounds really important, what you're talking about. But you know what? I'm just going to have a cup of tea and I'm going to th- do my thinking and I'm coming back to this because it sounds like you'd love to talk about it. Just that pause and break gives a child the sense of, we're still connected. Dad cares. Help is coming. Um, but it's not urgent. And I think children also need to know that um, not everything has a urgency to it because kids tend to be in that, I want it, I want it now, you need to help me now. And really we're saying, actually, we can just push it back a little bit so that we're learning that our feelings are important, but they're not the, they're not the boss. Yeah. And so you can sort of put a little bit of a gap 
and let them know that there's a bit of a gap. And then on the days where you don't manage to do that, which will happen most days, you can just say to them, there's that repair, which says, you know, I'm sorry, I did use my growly voice, or I wasn't really listening then, but I'm ready now. And I don't mean you pull yourself out with, you know, I'm a a terrible dad and I've done it all wrong, because kids then feel like, eek, dad's, well, you know, dad doesn't know what he's doing. And we want to give that sense of, Dad's got this, Mum's got this, but I think in a beautiful way the the repair shows them that they're human and it's also showing them how to say sorry. What about too, because I think I I can totally relate to that, Sean, some days you come home and you're like, I'm just tired, I'm feeling grumpy. I suppose like we could model those to them. Could we just come home and go, I've had a bad day? work was really hard and I mean could you have those conversations and then you know unpack it a little bit not not the weight of mm. things are crumbling but just that oh, I'm, ha- I'm I'm had a hard day and I'm just not really feeling like playing right now could we maybe have a cuddle and watch something instead or yeah I think that children are learning about feelings so it's great to let them know that you've got your own feelings um, but really young children don't need as much as you can probably give to older children because they are trusting you to do the big work. So if you were to unleash it all, I think that could be a little bit unnerving for children, but absolutely giving them a sense of this has been a hard day. If you were to have a look and how much is in my bucket, oh, it's only half full. Um, and they're getting a sense of we all are challenged by life and things that are going on. But then, you know, you reappear for them. You don't stay out of there. The, well, I don't think we've got the, um, the, the privilege or the, the right to stay out for too long. Our kids need us sort of back in mm. at some stage. Mm. That's good. Um, you're really intentional. Like when I think about you and Kerry, like we're in the same neighbourhood, you're really intentional with creating community. And I see you guys, you know, like connecting with other families and time, just the two of you. But also just with you, I feel like you also have a good group of guys around you that you connect with and have really solid conversation. Why has that become a real focus for you in that village and community feel? Again, I think that, somewhat extends from my own upbringing mum and dad were very very community focused and I really enjoyed that growing up it opened the door for me in a number of situations you know like oh you're one of the browns um people already are familiar with your mum and dad they trust them and so of course you can come with us or of course you can stay the night you know it was just broke down the barrier of meeting people for the first time in some cases. But I also, I liked that association. I like people knowing about our family. I don't know what it is that I liked about that, but not only knowing about our family, but appreciating the work that our mum and dad did in the community made made me feel good as well. When I bought into the business with dad, I was working out in Waiuku where I'd grown up. And then I met Kerry and we decided to settle in Mangani Bridge. That was a middle ground for us, close to Kerry's family. Well, not close to either family, but kind of in the middle. And it had the harbour and the mountain there, so a bit of play space um, while being on the, the fringe of the city as well. So it worked for so many reasons. And I was commuting out to work, which was, was fine. I didn't mind that at all until Frankie came along. 
And then I realized how much time I was spending in the car. And that's when I started reflecting on my upbringing and dad working locally and how important that must have been to them. And I realized that was important to me. And I wanted my work to be local. So I'm not spending so much time in the, in the car. And I put a real focus on that initially. And it naturally just happened that way. Most of my work is in Mangani Bridge. Um, and through that, you make connections. You you meet a lot more families. Our kids are going to school in kindy and daycare. And naturally, you just you meet a large portion of the community in that way. Yeah, and I, I enjoy that. And I think I always will. I think too, because I don't know. I, I look at guys and I think sometimes... Um, maybe don't get the same opportunities as mums, you know, like with play groups and things like that. And sometimes you get so busy that those relationships can slip a bit. But I think it's something you've really worked on and bringing a whole bunch of guys around and actually having open conversations, you know, like how are you really doing? Like how's work? How's family? To me, that doesn't seem like the norm, but it's something that you've been building. Yeah, I think... um nurturing those relationships is important it, it can come at a cost because you the more relationships you have with other friends and new and new friends um the more time you've got to find to feel like you're giving that friendship a proper go but it comes at a cost of time with your wife or your kids sometimes so that balance has got to be right and that's something i i just think there's there's never enough time to give to commit yourself to all areas of life as much as you'd like to. So finding that balance is, is key. I'm part of a, um, a men's group. We get together once a month and it's a select group of guys that we all know each other and trust each other. And we actually, anyone can bring anything to the table and we talk through any issues that anyone's going through, any concerns, any advice that people are looking for. And we'll just, we'll have a couple of beers and just chat, chat about things for a, for two or three hours and it's incredible the the weight off your shoulders that can lift it's it's a powerful thing and and you're right it's not something many people do and I would encourage anyone to give that a go Mm, Mm. awesome Sean one day your kids will be leaving home I know it's way out there but it will come what would you like them to take away from your family with them what sort of values would you like them to to have if they were if you were looking in their backpack of resources and values what would you like to see let's imagine them as sort of 18 to 20 year olds leaving home I would like to think that they would enter the world with a non-judgmental lens I think some of the the most beautiful people I know are people that will accept anyone, not judge them for how they look or their background or give anyone uh, a fair go. And I think that's a a key thing that I would like to instill in my daughters and, and for them to carry and just have an open mind to opportunities. I think if you put yourself in situations where exciting and fun things can happen they will and there's a temptation to not or to stay within your comfort zone and I will always be encouraging my girls to to take that brave step out and look for opportunities um, if they wish. Mm. 
I think curiosity is probably one of my favourite values at the moment that you you just sort of mentioned that a wonder and an awe and an inquisitive mind, a, a sort of what might that look like, I wonder if I could, is really something that's precious to instil in our kids. Yeah, and that I guess can also come with danger as well. Mm. It's got to be equipped with other values that you'd hope will stick with them moving forward. A key thing for me would be that my girls can feel they can come to me about anything. And that's something that I'm working on from now and I want to get better at working on is that I I know I have so many friends that can't talk to their parents about certain things. And I think if you are their safe person, that can be such a beautiful relationship. And I hope that it, it is for us. For a soon-to-be dad or someone just embarking on this journey, any advice that you would give them? Just en- enjoy it. It's not easy, but it's exciting and it's fun. I think um, main piece of advice would be to accept that you're not going to get it right all the time. And often it feels like hardly ever. But just have an open mind towards learning from every situation. You Naturally, you're going to get better and better at what you do if you're learning from mistakes that you're inevitably, inevitably going to make. Great advice. I feel like I want to go back now and watch the show and get some more ideas because something Sean was really big on the show was, you know, upcycling and looking at space that wasn't used. But I did love his idea of recycling um, toys and putting things away. And we did that a lot in lockdown in our family because it was like, we have no idea how long we're going to have to make this stuff last. So that worked really well. Out of sight, out of mind, bring it out. And it's like, oh, Christmas again. That rotating has got lots of advantages. And I think it reminds us too that children don't need a lot to be happy. And that's hard for us as parents because we see what's on the market. They ask us for stuff. We want to make them happy. We want to buy them stuff. And then we are overwhelmed by how much stuff we've got. Mm. And children, instead of it satisfying them, it often opens the gate to I want more and I want more. And every shopping trip, you think, gosh, we've just had, you know, a lovely meal out and now you want this and then you want that in another shop. And I think that parents do find it hard and it is good for us to kind of have an intentional kind of almost a rule inside that we won't always buy stuff every time we go out. And if we find ourselves with lots and lots of gear, it can be really helpful if we pause, you know, once or twice a year and get the kids to help us, you know, sort out stuff that we, good stuff that we can give away. Mm. And then they come with us to wherever we're recycling it or giving it away. And they get to understand that other people actually don't have as much as they do and other people can really enjoy the stuff. And when children are contributors they actually feel good about themselves. Mm. So you're actually affecting their self-esteem. Yeah. Actually, we, we do that in our family, that when we have a bit of a cull, we will say what charity we're helping and we'll, we'll give them a bit of an idea of what the need is and who it's going to. And I have found that, that my kids will then go away and find maybe five things. Because we, we've also sold a little bit. We've got our boy, he um, had some Lego that he wanted to put on Trade Me and Sell and, and, and it's understanding money and how it works mm-hmm. a bit. But it was really cool just recently to see him go and get a whole bunch of things that he'd been thinking about maybe selling and making some pocket money that he thought 
thought these kids in this particular charity would actually really benefit from. So I love that idea of getting the kids involved. I think sometimes, and I used to do this, I would get toys that they hadn't played with for a while and hide them. And if they didn't mention them, you know, five weeks later, off they went. But I do think you can miss a really great teaching moment when you do that. And that's why at times like Christmas, when families are doing an intentional um, you know, I've seen kids go into a shop and they've got their own money and they're buying a present and they're wrapping it up and it's new and they're giving it away. Mm. And when you create that generosity and that care for others, I think you're onto something really good. I love it. I really like too the idea of your home in the space. And if it's too cluttered, it's, it takes away from that connection and you almost don't have that space to just sit and be as a family or do a puzzle or, you know, sit around the dining table. Yeah, well, you can't find stuff often when there's too much stuff. So where are you, mum? Under yeah. the washing. <laughs> so when there's just a few toys out, oh, wow, watch children play and create. Um, they're not overwhelmed because stuff overwhelms children as well as it overwhelms adults. So I think it's such a gift to give them to have less in your homes. Definitely rotate it, you know, put it up in that cupboard. And when it comes out again, um, it's sort of like it's new again. And, and so you've saved a, a cluttered home, you've got this peaceful, tranquil setting, and your children are playing in depth with something. You've been a parent coach for so long, you're like this library of information. Is there any books or any resources, you know, maybe for, for parents that might struggle in this particular area? I really loved a book I read quite a few years ago, but it's still out there called Simplicity Parenting. And that just reminded us, sometimes we need a real sense of it's okay not to buy a lot of stuff for our kids. There's a real um, theory to it as well. And then years ago, I read another book that I loved um, called The Unhurried Child, which had a similar look at how stuff and fast pace is not always what our kids need. They actually need sometimes a slower lane to be in and I think less stuff is often um, buying into that slower lane and not having too much too many activities all going on at the same time mm. being the playful parent I feel like there's probably a lot of responsibility with that as well mm. and I, I think just even talking about it, I thought oh actually that could be quite exhausting if you are the get home and it is on and the party is here <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we find ourselves in that role. I mean, sometimes parents say, look, I've become the bad cop and, you know, I'm, I'm resentful because somebody else has got the role of good cop. But yes, you can get stuck in a role with your, your kids and I think every now and then it's good for them to see that you are needing space and you need to refresh the page and you're taking a little bit of time out. You're sitting outside or you're telling your kids, I'm just going to sit outside with my cup of tea here and I'm just going to look at the leaves and I'm just going to quieten myself down because I, I want to come back to this and I want to bring my calm voice with me. And so that is sometimes breaking the mould and letting your kids know you are not always at 100% and nor do you have to be because that's too hard an act to follow all the time. It's mm, good. Well, that wraps up another episode of Parents We've Met. As always, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast project of ours. We are loving putting it together for you. 
Now we are all about supporting parents on their parenting journey. So if you'd like access to more resources, head over to our website, parentingplace.nz. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're enjoying what we're doing here, we'd love if you could share it on social media or rate and review it on this app.